Our guest today is Mylene Isler. Mylene is a high performance coach and the founder of Mindful Leader Athlete. She leverages her long standing human resources experience to help professionals engage with and energize their work. Her passion for fitness, nutrition, and personal growth allows her to create unique programs for executives and professionals to accelerate their growth in their career and personal life. Hi, Mylene. Thanks for being here with us. We are so excited to have you here with us today. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Let's get started with an interesting fact about you. Yes. Oh, an interesting fact about me, or at least a fact about me that surprises a lot of people is, you know, I'm a very Asian looking woman. <laughs> so the thing that surprises a lot of people is when I start speaking in German. So I'm actually Swiss. So I was born and raised in Switzerland. Um, so yes, yeah, so I get a lot of confused look over here in New York. If this small little Asian woman suddenly, suddenly talk in a very harsh and dominant language such as German, right? So that's definitely a fun fact or just an interesting fact, surprising fact about me. But has it come in handy to be speaking two languages, people not knowing you that you actually speak the language? Yeah, it's actually nice. Sometimes, you know, when we're at the subway, right, and there's always a lot of German tourists, me and my husband, you know, like we always kind of look at each other because it feels like it's our secret language. And if I respond in German sometimes to help tourists, they're like, whoa, what's going on? Like, who are you again? Is that German? It's just like it was definitely something that, you know, it's it's a kind of like a nice, um, nice thing to have. But I think any additional language is always helpful. When it comes to your career, you have made some very unique changes, right, along the way. So if you can share your story with us. Oh, my story. Um, yeah, so Divya, I must say at this point in my life, I really am living the dream. And I'm not exaggerating when it comes to that. I feel these last couple of years have been the most successful years in my career, but also in my life. I am able to serve my clients in so much more in a powerful way where I feel I'm authentic. Um, I feel confident in adding value and I feel very fulfilled every day, which is definitely a big statement to say. However, that wasn't always the way. Um, before I moved into a more client serving role, I had this analytical role where I would say I was your solid, steady performer, but nowhere, nowhere I would say I had a thriving career. Um, and this had a lot to do with a belief that I realized I had where I knew I am settling, you know, like I had this belief I had to settle for what, what I was given. And also people in authority always knew better. And that has a lot to do with my upbringing. Um, that's for sure. But I took that belief with me into my career. Um, and you can imagine that resulted into me getting kind of orders and executed them well, I was your worker bee, right? I can work 24 seven, no problem with that. But if you ask me to kind of share new ideas, challenge opinions, um, come up with ideas out of the box, I was not your girl. I did not feel comfortable to call her outside of the light. 
And you can imagine that resulted in a very mediocre experience in my career. Um, I was great for my career, don't get me wrong, right? I mean, it definitely was the career that helped me to move from Switzerland to New York. So grateful for that. They it's able to finance my, my life here in New York, but I knew something is missing. Um, I was always looking forward for my Fridays, or for the next big vacation. But I realized also, my God, like I'm working so much. I need to find more joy in what I'm doing. So at some point I was just like, I was done with experiencing mediocre, right? In my career, I was done tolerating it. And I understand like all the energy I'm putting into tolerating mediocre, can, that energy could also be used in doing really something that I am truly passionate about where I feel I'm able to serve people. And I knew I was capable of doing that. I just need to figure out how. Um, so I immersed in years of self-development, which started with one book that led to another and to another. I think at this point, I read hundreds of books about self-development. I think name one big thing there, and I'm sure I read it already. I really kind of also visited seminar, but all of these kind of self-development, looking up successful people led me very quickly to athletes. So I was wondering, I was never an athlete. So that's one thing I need to be very clear. I'm not an athlete or I wasn't an athlete um, at the beginning. So one thing I was always wondering, what are they doing, right? What are they doing that helped them to reach peak performance? And we all know about their talent, but then in general, if you look up their stories, their, what they're doing on a regular basis, there are some patterns there, right? So what I observe from a bird eye view is that they're all focusing on optimizing their body, which we understand, right, from an athlete perspective, but they don't stop there. They're also focusing on optimizing their mind and their soul. So what I mean by that very quickly, when it comes to your body, they fuel for performance. So the workout part, we understand, right? But when it comes to nutrition, and I understand you're a vegan, right? So we understand the impact of what we eat in our mood and how we behave, but also for them, it's not only what they eat, but also when they eat such an important thing. Recovery. For us professionals, something that we always sacrifice very quickly is our sleep. But for athletes, recovery is so important. It's like, oh, okay, interesting. Their mind is where they really, all of them have this growth mindset. So just because they're talented doesn't they don't end up, they don't end there, right? They really try ways to master their skills. So they're, they're like, they're always learners, right? They're like ever, like they're forever students. Um, so they're really kind of, when it comes to their mind, they are inspired to have this growth mindset. And then lastly, when it comes to their soul, they all work with coaches. Um, and what I mean by that is a coach, we feel like a coach is only focusing on the external blocks, but the coach also works on the internal blocks. So every athlete, we call it kind of like the internal game, right? The inner game of sports, the inner game of tennis or whatever, where they have these thoughts that they need to kind of overcome to really help them stay in that zone. So I was just like fascinated about uh, reading all of that and really finding kind of like the patterns there. And I thought to myself, what if I apply 
everything an athlete does into my career, into my life without being an athlete myself, right? How will my change, how will my career change? How will my life change if I apply everything? And the transformation happened. It did not happen overnight, but applying all of these at some point, I realized I was much more confident. I was finally knowing, I knew exactly, you know, like I always had problems being authentic, but I understand what it finally means and how to embrace it, right? And then, but suddenly I was feeling also the results in my career. People were approaching me to ask for my opinion and I was okay to share that, right? And I become this go-to person from the leadership team to ask how to help our, our employees to be more engaged. So I was suddenly a person where people are like, hey, tell me more about your opinion. Tell me more about your ideas. And I felt comfortable, right? Sharing that. And all of that, it was, I was really able to, you know, one big surprise there was just I received a promotion, a surprising promotion let me all make all of these changes like wow okay like I didn't even expect that right and the biggest thing however is really finally I was excited about my Mondays as I am about my Fridays and that is why I'm so passionate about my work now I decided to leave corporate and serve more people even outside of my company to really help them unlock their inner greatness because here's the thing all of this happened not because I'm a talented or very special, extraordinary person. It happened because I learned a framework, basically a step-by-step -step guide that really helped me to unlock who I truly am and really be comfortable with that and share this gift with others. And that is why I feel like I'm on a mission to help as many people as I can with the same thing. So that's my story. It was a little bit long. Sorry for that. It's incredible. It's incredible from where you were to where you came. You did not believe in yourself initially. And then along the way, you started believing in yourself. But were there anybody else who were non-believers? Yes, absolutely. And it's interesting with this question. Um, and yes, obviously, there are always a, a few people or even leaders who maybe didn't believe in my potential. Um, however, the biggest non-believer or naysayer I realized was definitely myself, right? That voice, that big, big voice telling me, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not eloquent. I'm not pretty enough, right? All of that, that all of that not not enough messages that really came from me and the moment i realized that it's coming from me and the moment i also realized that i'm able to change that and you know if i'm telling myself i'm not good enough i can also tell exactly the opposite right i'm telling like i'm amazing the way i am i am more than enough and the moment i realized that there is a way to change that voice inside of me that is where a lot of things change in my life so yeah there is a big naysayer and it's still here um don't get me wrong it still comes up once in a while but the good thing is i'm able to differentiate myself and kind of know no, it's a thought, but it's not me. And I'm able to lower that voice now very quickly. So you coach men and women both. So in your practice, do you see certain differences that are very evident between how men approach coaching versus how women approach coaching? 
Um, generally speaking, when it comes to coaching, it's very individualized, right? There's not a size, one size fits all, basically. However, to your question, yes, um, yes, there is definitely something or what two um, differences I have observed. Client, they normally approach me, they all have the same similar goals, right? They want to be more successful in their career, but also in their life. So similar goals, but the way how we get them there is very different because it's basically also about the blocks that you are experiencing. So as an example, um, a lot of my clients, they approach me to be a better speaker. Um, okay, makes sense, right? When men kind of talk about the issue, they talk about, okay, Mylene, let's then, you know, help me just to be a more effective communicator, right? It's like, okay, so we kind of dig into it, understand what are the things that we need to work on, giving them some tools and, you know, able to shift some of the things, their behavior that gives them the results that they want. When I work with women, same goal, right? We need to spend so much more time on the mindset, right? The self-doubt and everything, imposter syndrome, all of that. It's just like there's definitely more time needed to work on the mindset first before I can help them to kind of use some tools to help them be more an effective speaker. And I'm not saying that men are not having or wanting to have some support on the mindset as well, but they kind of like quickly dip into it. It's like, okay, I got it. Okay, let's work on, right? And let's move on on, on working on the tools. But with women, we really need to spend couple of sessions sometimes even to just work on their mindset to drop that self-doubt to help them really come from a more uplifting empowered space to come and then apply the tools that they need to be a more effective speaker so yeah so just it, the mindset work is definitely takes a little bit longer with women and there's another thing that is so interesting that i have not experienced with my female clients versus my male clients is male clients, for some reason, it's a lot about competition. Like, am I going to be the best when I do this, right? Are we going to be better than the other teams? So are we going to win? Are we, you know, it's all about comparison, where I feel like, I mean, one of the things I always say is like, you will always lose a comparison game, because there's always someone who's going to be better, right? So but it's interesting about male clients or men in general, like competition is something so much more a big thing compared to female clients. So are there two or three qualities apart from self-doubt that you really coach women on so that they can be more successful? Um, plenty. Um, but if they're kind of, you know, like if I can maybe select three of them, right? I think the first thing that I really tell my clients to work on is really talking about claiming their space. Yeah. So claiming their space means you recognize that you have a voice, you have an opinion and you bring value. So it's time for a little bit more bravery, right? Um, to be a little bit more unapologetically you. So basically the sorry, not sorry. That's the attitude I want my, my female clients to be reminded of that they can claim their space, right? So if they get into that meeting, into that important conversation, really understand you bring your voice, you bring your opinion, you bring your value. So claim your space. So that's one thing. The other thing when it comes especially to women, um, 
respond versus react. So we women, we tend to be a little bit more emotional, which is not a bad thing, right? I mean, having emotions, having these feelings, we definitely, that's definitely something that is different between female and male clients that I have observed. And it's a good thing. The only thing that I want my clients to be reminded of is that when it comes to approaching a situation or a conversation, sometimes it's okay to pause for a second or two and then choose to respond, right? Rather than to react. So there is a um, foundational principle that I love. It says like each moment describes who you are and gives you the opportunity to decide if that is who you want to be. So with that, allow yourself to really understand is the way that you're going to respond to this situation aligned to who you are and to the values that, that are important to you. Respond versus react is also another thing that I really remind my uh, clients. And then maybe the third one, self-compassion is so important. Uh, we beat ourselves up so often, especially when things are not going the way we are planning it to go, right? We're planning it to be. So sometimes women really give yourself some grace. You're only human, right? So sometimes a lot of women appear to be super women, but at the end of the day, we're all just women. So we all make mistakes and failure. I'm air quoting it just because I feel like there are no failures, only feedback. But okay, let's let's be clear. For some people, they feel like they did a mistake, think that a setback, right? I always say pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. I mean, it's a famous um, quote as well, because I remind my, my clients, it's okay to feel disappointed. It's okay to feel frustrated for, you know, a minute or two. But let that pain go and then move on, right? Like give yourself some grace, practice self-compassion. It's okay to experience that setback, learn from it and move on. Self-compassion is so important. Stop dwelling in that kind of suffering space because it's not serving you, right? So, you know, it's just, okay, I felt the pain, but now move on, right? Move on, learn from it and move on. That's great advice. That's actually priceless. Yes. And I am practicing that on a daily basis. You know, I mean, that's definitely something that we all need to be reminded that self-compassion is so important. So you mentioned the competitive space, right? A lot of us are very competitive. What would you tell them that their strategy should be? Is there a set strategy or is there, you know, it's a journey. What course would you set for them? Oh, definitely. I, I would absolutely say everything is a journey, right? It's a lifelong journey. Needs to be understood that my journey is not going to be the same as maybe the other person. But generally speaking, when you reach C-suite potential, right, you are already high performer. There's no question about your potential at this at this level, but that what we need to think about, it's not about achieving high performance. At this point, it's sustaining high performance. So the key thing to focus on if you're at that level is really self-care. So finding ways how to nourish your body, your mind, and your soul, which, which I mentioned, you know, in my own story, because here's the thing, you can't pour from an empty cup, right? So if you're leading people, if you have this responsibility at this level, self-care is non-negotiable. That's one thing I work with all of my clients is to really create a lifestyle routine that will help them to really 
come from their best version, right? And serve and lead people from that place. Because here's the thing, if, you know, self-care is so important, if you don't take care of yourself, there's no way you can really lead people in a sustainable way. The second thing at this level, which is interesting, is that we're focusing less on the tools, right? But more on focusing on the who, right? Not the how and the what's, right? The who is the W-H-O, who are you? Who are you as a leader? And making sure that we are connecting, you know, everything with who you are, your true core, because from that place, from that authentic place, you're able to lead in a more powerful, authentic way. And that is where I think it's also to remind my clients, you know, the hows and the whats, right? Sometimes, you know, coaches are being approached to just, oh, just give me, you know, like all the tools that you have. How would you do this? Like, I can give you all of the hows, but it's not going to last for too long if the who is not in a space where you can really truly understand who you are and how you want to lead, right? So the who work, I call it, is definitely very important at this level. Are there certain mistakes you see women do most of the time, constantly, that you kind of cringe? You're like, oh, don't do that. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. So, oh, my God, this question. One thing they do a lot is they're so quick in making interpretations interpretations also in a way that judging themselves of not being good enough. So that's one thing that I really found fascinating. So for instance, I had this conversation with a female leader and she was talking about a conversation she had with her leader talking about the project that didn't go as planned. So it seems for me as an observer, okay, the leader is just venting that, you know, he was disappointed about the project and everything. So I understand that part, but then suddenly she made it about her. It's like, I failed. I disappointed him. I didn't do my work. It's like, wait a minute. I mean, you got that from that story. It, there's no way that leader talked anything about you and not doing your job I personally just think that he actually felt in a you know like being in a space where he can be able to share all of these thoughts with her but she made it very quickly about her but in general I think women tend to make very quick interpretations and interpretations that are not serving them, right? Could be something about, yeah, you're not good enough interpretation, but in general, something that's about them that puts them in a space where they feel drained, where they don't feel empowered, where I feel, okay, look, we don't know the truth. You don't know what the other person is thinking. And because we don't know the truth, we can choose how we want to interpret that situation. So I challenge my leader if they come up with something like that. I was like, okay, I hear you, right? But give me three other interpretations that are so opposite from what you just said. It has nothing to do with you, right? And sometimes it takes them a while because they're like, no, my lead, I'm sure he thought like blah, 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 or she thought that this is like, okay, fine, I hear you there, but just try with me this exercise, right? And then slowly they understand like, oh, this other interpretation gives me actually such a more empowering or energizing feelings, right? Or like response to it. Because we don't know the truth, choose an interpretation that helps you be in a space where you can move on, right? Where you can just 
continue with your work and not stop and say, oh my God, you failed, you're not good enough. And that's the thing. So to your question, what's the one thing that women tend to do very quickly is just making interpretations, interpretations that are not serving them. And you had put it so well um, in an earlier conversation. You had said, look at how you can change the negative energy to the positive energy. And I think that is so powerful. I love that. Uh, I'm not sure if you know the term catabolic versus anabolic um, energy. And we sometimes don't know that we approach conversation or meetings having already a very catabolic energy. Like, And catabolic energy is basically coming from thoughts of not being good enough or being a victim or, you know, like competition, right? All of the, the rather draining energy, like fear, anxiety, resentment, all of that. But yeah, you can also kind of pause again for a moment and choose, you know, like more positive thoughts, po positive energy, and see how that actually changes your mood and how you enter a conversation. It makes such a difference. You are a choice. Choose, right? Choose to be that anabolic, uplifting, empowering leader and then see how your conversations will kind of end up. And they're a surprise, right? It makes a difference. So I know COVID has so many negatives associated. What was your anabolic when it comes to COVID? Oh my God, 2020, oh gosh. Um, it was a year where everything came together for me. It was 2020 was the year where I actually took the leap to move from a corporate role to um, starting my entrepreneurial journey. Um, but it was also the year where my husband, and I celebrated the seven year marriage, basically also the seven year itch, right? Where it's like, okay, critical time. But then on top of that, put on top of that, a pandemic, right? Being actually locked in a two bedroom apartment with two small kids, one needed to be homeschooled, one wanting to have a dance party all the time. It was just madness. It was crazy, right? I think that's the part like 2020 brought all of the emotions and it was tough. Um, but it gave me the opportunity to practice everything I'm preaching, right? Self-compassion, self-care, finding joy in the little things. But more importantly, it gave me the opportunity to practice um, embracing the discomfort, right? Because we understand if there's no discomfort, there is no growth. 2020 was by far the year where I experienced most of my growth. It was a transformational year. So it was tough. I'm super grateful for, for everything, but I'm also grateful that it's over. <laughs> However, I mean, we're not almost there. We're still living in this pandemic, um, but we're all can't wait to hug everyone, right? So hopefully, you know, it's really over, over. Any advice for aspiring women who wants to be leaders? Yeah. Um, Plenty. Oh my God, I can talk for hours. But if there's one closing um, thought, it's about choice. The greatest freedom is the freedom of choice. It's really something I remind my clients, especially women. We need to remind ourselves that we are always a choice. And I don't mean um, the external factors because some situations are just given. But the choice lies with how we approach these situations, right? How we approach these situations, given situations. So in the drama of life, we are always, we always have a choice. And those who forget that, 
become victims of life circumstances. So I remind my clients all the time, being a choice means you select your thoughts, you select your perspective, which will impact your feelings. That will have an impact on your behavior, your action, and will give you the outcome. And if the outcome that you're seeing right now is not serving you, I always ask them, how can we change your thought, right? So really start with something to know that you are always a choice when it comes to choosing your thoughts, choosing your perspective. In each moment, choose how you want to experience your career and your life. Thank you so much for your time, excellent advice, and great points. We really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing women to have this space to talk about what you know what they're struggling with how they actually empower each other right to to be a better leader to be a better person to be a better mother in any role that we want to be in so thank you so much for this um, for this time and allowing me to talk in your podcast (laughs) 